0: Hey, welcome to Genre Exposure, a film podcast. Join us as we explore the wide world of cinema, burden our horizons one movie at a time. I'm one of your hosts, Dustin, and as usual, I'm here with Michael. Hey, everybody. And Jason.
1: Hey, man. Kind of sounded like you said
2: burdening ourselves
1: (laughs) one movie at a time. It really did. I was like, well, I mean... Sometimes
0: that happens. Is there a difference? Is there a difference really? We we went
2: through the Indian segment, so we definitely burdened ourselves with some of those. And, you know,
0: speaking of our (laughs) weird penchant for, like... Just weird, like, synchronicity things that happen. We did that, and now Mondo Macabro is putting out a Bollywood horror box set. We made it happen. Mm-hmm. I, I think how's we it, take full credit for that. Yeah.
2: I love it. I think that we are uh, influencing the Illuminati. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> and they're like, oh, these guys. These oh, three white Chris. dudes in a basement really <laughs> know what's going on in the world. Don't think they we're have actually... their finger on the pulse of the entertainment industry. <laughs> yeah.
0: I don't think we're actually that trendy. We're just randomly lucky with guesses.
2: <laughs> I got my finger on something. I can tell you that. Ew. So we
0: finished our crazy October horror odyssey. Ooh. We delved into some of the darkest films you can get into. It was spooky. Michael set out. You took care of some stuff. That's cool. Um, He's too scared. I was too scared of him.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Couldn't handle so it. So I
0: wanted to cool us down with something fun to close the year out. We went with musicals. Today we're talking about Hedwig and the Angry Inch, which was your pick, Michael. It's mine. Yep. Uh, super excited. I had never seen it before, so I'd always known about it and yeah, never I, had the chance to experience it. it Which, And I found out because our friend Adam was in town, good friend of the
2: podcast, uh, was in town, and he's been going back and listening to the back catalog mm. as he's traveling. Um, and apparently I talked about bringing this. Well, I know it, you've mentioned it When we times. did um, yeah. Yeah. specifically uh, The 5,000 Fingers of Dr. T. I Underrated had, movie that I, everyone <laughs> needs to watch right now. I had talked about watching this one, so I'm glad yeah.
0: I, we got around to it. Killer. Well, we're going to get into all of that as per usual, but first, uh, we got a shout-out. We're going to talk about what we've been watching, all that fun stuff. All right. So my shout-out is just to mention again, um, Unsung Horrors, they did their Horror Gives Back Challenge in October. Uh, basically, the idea is you watched a movie a day, you pledged some amount of money to a charity. Uh, the one they picked to do was what? The Best Friends Animal... Good cause. Uh, man, I wish I could remember the whole name, but there you go. Best Friends Animal Charity thing, uh, they advocate for, you know, helping convert shelters over to no-kill, rescuing animals, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I took part of it in it. I didn't get to do their curated list of choices. Because I had that vacation, it was impossible yeah. to hit some of the some of the entries, but I did watch a film a day, threw in with their thing. I think they, like, doubled their goal. So. Oh, nice. cool. Nice. I think they were trying to do, like, $666 to be metal like that. They smashed through it. That's awesome. Um, I even on my phone got like a call from the best friends, people thanking me for my donation. So that was very cool. Felt good. Super nice. I'm glad that went well for them. I hope they keep doing it every mm-hmm. year. Uh, look for it when it rolls back around and join in yourself and help a good cause and celebrate horror in October. Yeah. And I think usually they do an episode that they kind of recap uh, their picks. They watched all month. So mm-hmm. look forward to that. That'd be fun. If it's out before this episode, I'll definitely throw it in the show notes. Very cool. Alright, well, what have you guys been watching in our post-October world? Michael, can you go first? Yeah, sure. Um, I watched a pretty fun one um,
2: that came out in 2021, kind of the height of the pandemic, lockdowns and stuff, and mm-hmm. everybody talked about it, but it was uh, The Mitchells versus The Machines, the animated film on Netflix. I heard of that, yeah. I um, haven't heard of that at all. Are you serious? Yeah, I really haven't. Really? Um, it's kind of this quirky animation style that's mm-hmm not at all disney-ish mm-hmm. um kind of more i don't know kind of leans more of like the despicable me style but yeah like the cg-ish not dreamworks-esque but, but it was not really quite. surprisingly very hyper-stylized um and there was a lot of stuff that kind of uh, reminded me of anime in it oh um just the way they do go on <laughs> um there was a couple there was one scene that was very trigger like oh, very okay. trigger studios style where i was like having flashbacks of Promare and then like
1: ah uh, uh. <laughs> so you didn't have a stroke and, and or anything and hey it's
0: not a movie but speaking of Netflix and Trigger there is cyberpunk edge runners out there I've been now.
2: watching
1: it Ooh, it's so good it is good I haven't watched it yet um,
2: Mitchell versus the Machines though is about um, basically a cell phone AI kind of like the Apple Siri type mm-hmm. thing that grows sentient and takes over all humanity and is basically trying to enslave humanity. It's a documentary. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's down. And the only family that escapes is this super weird kind of dysfunctional family known as the Mitchells. Um, it's, it's really just kind of this quirky story about how they're kind of coming together and realizing that it's okay to be the weird family. Like, they don't have to be anything they're not. And there's really good father-daughter kind of like understanding your strange child kind of a thing. Um, Hmm. And uh, this might trigger some people, but the um, uh, lead female is a queer female, um, Hmm. queer character and... It's not in your face. If that triggers you, I feel bad for you. Why Why are you listening to our podcast? That was literally, I remember when that came out, like a bunch of like super conservative Christian people were being like, I don't know. I don't think that should be in a PG rated kids movie. And I'm like, just go fuck yourself. Do they look at everything else that's on Netflix? I don't know. Like, I think that they would just solve the world's problem if they actually just went and fucked themselves. And then, well, that would, be, be, no, that would like, be a sin. So, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs>
0: um,
2: I thought it was really fun. Um, super. It's really kind of sappy mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, but it has so many adult references. Um, there's actually, it's five fingers of death, right? Where before he gets ready to attack, it does the yeah. They yeah. do that oh, in the nice, movie nice. Uh, when the mom gets ready to go crazy and start killing robots. She's like it flashes like close shot to her eyes and it does that. <laughs> and she actually rips a robot's heart out. And I was awesome. like, they just fucking did five fingers of death in a PG kids movie. Um, I don't know. I look for things like this. Cause it's something I can watch with my son. Mm-hmm. And I know that's a lot of the reason people watch certain like cartoons and stuff because they're more, suited for adults to be able to have fun and watch with their kids. So you're not worried about the gay character somehow causing your child to become <laughs> a delinquent or something? No, I'm really uh, not. That's not. a concern. Um, <laughs> I did notice though, like some of the comedy really felt familiar and I mm-hmm. looked it up and uh, it's the guys who made it were writers on gravity falls. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, okay. So well, I'm more that's, interested that's, now. I should have led I with should, that. I know I should have led with that. <laughs> but no, like a lot of the comedy was super dry mm-hmm. that gravity falls humor. And I looked him yeah. up and like, they were on for like th- all three seasons of Gravity Falls. So. Nice. Okay. Well, that just went up in mine to watch list. That made, uh, it, that made it on my watch list now. Yeah, it's silly. It's only like an hour. It's maybe like a little under two hours. It's not a big commitment. It's silly, fun, goofy. Um, I will. I watched a bunch of stuff, but I will give a quick uh, plug to uh, Weird the Al Yankovic story. Mm. <laughs> How was that? Really fucking fun. It's exactly what you ex- expect from a Weird Al created movie and uh the guy who gave two stars on imdb because there were no actual weird owls um
1: (laughs) no is it better than
2: uhf (laughs) no because i watched i I love uhf i watched uhf (laughs) UHF immediately after watching it
0: to be honest with you i put it on immediately (laughs) where's our like blu-ray restored version of that does it have one i don't know it's
2: it's streaming for free on like every platform
0: (laughs) (laughs) i want my criterion spine It should be.
2: It's great. (laughs) I'm still
1: laughing at Conan the Librarian. Every time I think of that,
0: (laughs) it
2: cracks me up. No, weird. It's free. It's on the Roku channel. So if you have a Roku device or something, I mean, it's just stupid and silly and very Weird Al. Cool. So I can recommend it. If you like Weird Al. Nice. If you don't, don't listen to us. We don't want you listening to us. <laughs> I mean, Piper was like, I hate Weird Al. I'm not watching that what? movie. <laughs> I, know, I well, know. She doesn't listen to us anyways. Hey, so. She
0: doesn't? No, she doesn't listen to us. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jason, do you want me to go next? Sure, why don't you go next? I suspect you may have something cool. So, Well, maybe. So I got to back up to some of my October watches. Because I did say I was going to do that on our bonus episode. Backing up to that Comfort Films episode, it's done really well. And I've been surprised by how quick it picked up listeners and stuff. It's nice. because I was back. You (laughs) are back, yeah, that's one thing. It it is a reminder that sometimes we should take those times to do, like, lighter episodes where we talk about a bunch of films. Yeah, totally. I'm down for that, yeah. Um, So one of my delights in October that I left to talk about, you know I love Koji Shiraishi. Mm -hmm. He's in a lot of stuff that's never been brought to English before. And over, I guess, like, the early part of the year, a bunch of his films got subtitled that had never been subtitled before. And they're all part of an ongoing series called Senritsu Kaki... File, Kowasugi.
1: Sounds vaguely dirty. Um,
0: <laughs> and basically the whole premise is a found footage thing. I think they're direct-to-video ones that he's made. And it's the same hook of a lot of his movies where it's like a production crew. There's a cameraman, which Shiraishi plays himself. There's a director and then like an assistant who's kind of like the lady that will interview people and stuff. And they're investigating the supernatural. And that's the general hook of all of them. And film-to-film, each film is like one file in their collection of investigating and they're each about an hour long and each one focuses on a very popular either like yokai or Japanese ghost urban legend or a thing like that like the first one is the Slip Mouthed Woman mm-hmm. which that itself has its own horror films that have been made before like uh, Carved mm-hmm. uh, there's that, they do one that's just about a general like Onryo, like the typical long hair ghost they do one that's about a kappa the weird like, like am- water amphibious water demon creature thing um, they do one about Hanako-san of the toilet, which is the like ghost girl that lives in like a school bathroom toilet. Ah, Morning all, yes. <clears throat> yeah, but total, total rip of that. <laughs> As if J.K. Rowling had that many original ideas Ooh, <laughs> kicking around shots in there. Fired. Um, but yeah, so each one it's this group, right? And it's um, they're led by um, Kudo, the director, and he's this very aggressive sort of person that has like no qualms with like getting in the face of people, slapping them around. He just wants to find the truth. Charlie Kubrick. Yeah. Um, like I said, Sureshi plays Tashiro, who's the cameraman. He's mostly behind the camera the whole time. It's his usual like passive cameraman persona that he does. And then um, Miho Ichikawa is the assistant director, and she kind of leads all the interacting with people. And it's interesting because film to film, I watched all seven. There's like seven that's the original series, and then he's done a new one. All the original seven have been subtitled. They're not there to buy anywhere. This is one of those you gotta step into the gray area of downloading them, downloading the subtitles, all that stuff. If you dig found footage, they're a must-watch. If you dig Shiraishi, they're a must-watch. Um, film to film, there's a narrative that starts to come together where like there's overarching themes from film to film and they all connect and it builds into this bigger story where there's some kind of like supernatural other world that's starting to breach reality and it gets very cosmic- very love crafty and very weird. And they also do a neat thing where each one, too, like, it's never on the face of, like, what you think it's going to be. Like, the the first one, the Slipmouthed Woman one, you think it's just, like, that story. Like, they're just going to investigate that. And then it gets into this weird stuff where there's, like, maybe it's not actually that. Maybe it's this woman that's gone missing that practiced magic and she starts cursing people. Hmm. And then they go down a path investigating that. The uh, The standard ghost one... It gets into all this stuff about, like, aliens and UFOs and, like, other dimensional stuff. Um, The Hanako-san one gets into, like, time travel, and they actually have this thing where, like, someone dies, and they start to try to use the time travel thing they've discovered to, like, loop back around and save that person, but also not mess anything else up. So there's always just a clever twist to each one where it's just not a straightforward J-horror thing. And by the end, it's complete insanity. It goes, like, multidimensional... And I don't want to spoil too much, but just to throw it in there, if you're like a devotee of his films, in the final film, Eno shows up from a cult. Oh, cool. The crazy guy that they follow in that film. Mm -hmm. He shows up from like the other dimension that they've gone to at the end of a cult, and he recognizes Tashiro as Shiraishi, but it's not because it's a different universe. And it's not Shiraishi as Shiraishi, it's Shiraishi as Tashiro. (laughs) But he acknowledges that they're like different universe counterparts, and they actually kind of link those things together, and he tries to like help them hmm. out of out of like respect for in the occult universe. Shiraishi like stuck with him to the end, hmm. so it gets very weird, very crazy, very meta on like the films that he has made. So it helps if you're, you're well versed with yeah those movies. Uh, it's it's a bigger payoff if you know his other films, but I think you could still enjoy them just outright. Nice. yeah you know love shiraishi anything he does they were great i had a delight watching them each one's an hour so they're quick to get through just good old found footage
2: fun have you ever thought it might be worth just to like go on fiverr and pay somebody
0: to translate movies for you i have thought about that (laughs) but translations are you know pretty technical there's a lot that goes into that yeah but i mean like you find somebody who's pretty
2: who's pretty good you know like Maybe, maybe they could just sit and watch it with you. Maybe you should just m- be friends with somebody. Be friends with somebody. <laughs> I, I do need friends. I think You need a friend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, preferably if they speak Japanese, that would be great.
0: Open. I'm accepting applications. If you uh, speak Japanese, I'm accepting applications for friends. <laughs> Write us in genre exposure at gmail Make sure they actually speak it. You should do
1: like a you know <laughs> do an interview for Japanese women oh. to find a companion. <laughs> see how that
0: goes. Anyways, Jason, what have you been watching? <laughs>
1: Um, I checked out a movie called The Untamed from 2016. Okay. It is a Spanish film. About Jason's body hair. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, nothing that scary. (sighs) Um, But the very vague synopsis uh, is a couple in a troubled marriage locate a meteorite initiating an encounter with a mysterious creature. Okay, we don't actually see any of that. You have to to infer that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Their lives are turned upside down by the discovery of the creature, which is a source of both pleasure and destruction. Mm. So really it's kind of a psychosexual, uh, thriller drama. Okay. Driller,
2: Uh, a driller. driller. (laughs) Uh
1: Oh, it's, it's, it's very well done. It's well directed and well acted. Um, it's very kind of vague and it doesn't over explain things. Um,
0: Is it more or less sensual than Hellraiser 2022?
1: (laughs) I would say more. Okay. I would say more. Because that wasn't (laughs) sensual at all. Um, But for any, you know, um, hentai fans out there, there is a live action sequence of this tentacled alien creature doing its thing.
0: Or if you're a possession fan and you've never experienced hentai. Or if you're a possession fan, exactly.
1: Um, But it's really not as... uh, What's the word I'm looking for?
0: Um, it's not as explicit as it sounds by any means it's no uh, Angel of Darkness don't look that up <laughs> right, I don't no. know what that is either I don't know why I brought it up well Just you're now. probably
2: going to have to show note it
1: now. Yeah.
0: Well, I don't know if there will be a video I can link to but we'll see
1: <laughs> uh, I've actually seen those uh, <laughs> of course you have of course you have <laughs> um, but it, I think it's worth watching it's on Shudder uh, it's a slow burn and it's very much more of a character drama than anything mm-hmm. it's almost Annoyingly vague in parts, though. But I mean, I guess you could fill in things with
2: your imagination. Like Jason's body. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Everything you kept saying was just like piling on that joke. I couldn't.
0: <laughs> um, I'm glad you're back, Michael. Uh, yeah, 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 they missed you. <laughs> Jackass.
2: Why you say
0: such jackassy things over there?
1: <laughs> uh, but yeah, check it out if you're into that sort of cool. thing. Cool. I'll give it a watch. Yeah.
0: today we are talking about musicals and we're kicking it all off with michael's pick hedwig and the angry inch from 2001. all right now normally when we start a block we do a whole big breakdown about the genre and an overview if we've never come to this before but we already did that we did already do this so if you're newer to the show and you've not gone through the back catalog hop back to the five thousand fingers of dr t and you can hear us kind of do a whirlwind overview of musicals as a genre We already did it once. I don't want to try to outdo it or we repeat a lot of information. It's just a waste of time. Yes. Plus Dr. T is the
1: mic drop of musicals. So, you know, Um, you can start and stop there if you want to. If you've
0: never seen it, it's worth investigating. You can, you can listen to us and decide what you want to do. It's like the YouTube thing where
2: they're like, you can follow that link here in the corner of your screen. (laughs) You can just click on the link that Dustin will probably just include into the show notes. Uh, It's a lot easier. So this was your pick, Michael. Where do you want to start on this? Um, Okay, so I was completely unaware of this film uh, until I met my wife. Uh, we met in two thousand nine. Yes. You want to get that right? Well
0: oh, yeah, she doesn't. She doesn't, doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. Doesn't I can matter. say anything I want. You just got to be in continuity with yourself going forward. Um, but this was a
2: movie that she actually always absolutely loved, and she was like, "Yeah, you know, when you first meet somebody, you have that movie that yeah, you, you, wanna, you just want to you want to share show your on. favorite things." Yeah, and uh, this was one that that she absolutely loved, and when I watched it with her, I was like, "Oh." damn okay Um, it's a lot to take in at first (laughs) yeah but uh, like I found the music really grew on me over time Um, just the whole story I find myself thinking about it quoting things from it randomly just so I realized like okay it definitely stuck with me Um, came back to me again a couple years ago because Criterion put out uh, an issue of it Um, which that's what I watched on looked great nice Um, so you've got the blue
0: I've got the blue yeah, I
2: do. Nice.
0: I do. And there was a Barnes & Noble Criterion sale this month, so I might have the blue too, but yeah. before we're done. Right. Cool.
2: Um, well, I guess, should we just start kind of so walking through it? It
0: is a musical, but uh, what genre would this be?
2: Um, this one's, I think, technically considered like a rock musical, but kind of a Broadway musical as well. So what I've got
0: is a rock musical slash comedy drama.
2: Okay, yeah, I could see that, yeah.
0: The story itself, when there's not songs, is very dramedy. And I thought also maybe we should define what musical style is this in. Because, of course, every musical kind of has its own motif. Uh, I mean, how would you describe it? I would say, like, I, rock I th-
2: musical. Rock? Yeah, I mean, I
1: think rock would be the go-to term. There's a little bit of punk in there. Uh, so there's,
0: a, there's a lot of punk in there. I think it's very, like, glam rock would be the term you would use. Yeah, there's a lot Stuff of, like, like David Bowie-type yeah.
2: influence. Yeah, Which
0: is referenced sure. multiple mm-hmm. times in the film. So Yeah. Um.
2: Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, so I, guess so I think we,
0: we can just dive into the film and let stuff pop out as we go.
2: Uh, directed by John Cameron Mitchell, who initially wrote the story um, for Hedwig and then uh, eventually met up with uh, Stephen Trask, mm-hmm. who was um, in a band at the time and was basically looking to kind of start writing something different, doing something different. Um, Mitchell kind of said, hey, check out this story steven trask was like oh my god we need to do this now and so that's kind of how the musical itself came about yeah
0: you know, i think it's interesting because when i was researching this i saw that they kind of had the hedwig character first before anything yeah and they would actually kind of do these like drag performance shows where he would dress up as hedwig and they would play as the band and then he would do like the banter between songs like you see in the film yeah
2: there's a documentary that's on the Blu-ray about the making Mm. of just Hedwig not the Mm. film but like the creation of Hedwig cool cool. and there's this crazy bar called the squeeze box (laughs) that was just like this drag bar that looked so fucking wild like this bar looked like the place you would want to be it just looked absolutely wild and that's where he started debuting the Hedwig character because Stephen Trask was doing like a um, residency there Mm -hmm. as like a musician playing at the squeeze box and doing all this stuff and yeah, some of the images, the videos they show of that place, you're just like, holy shit! I want to be a fly on the wall here. <laughs> okay, that's another plus for getting the blue. Yeah, it's a full do- full length documentary too, like an hour and a half. Nice, nice. I, yeah, I a cr-
0: Criterion always
2: does you good. I didn't get to finish it. It was, but it was really, really in depth and, and thorough. Thorough, <laughs> killer. <laughs> and of course, he plays Hedwig as well. As uh, yes, directing mm. it and writing it. Yes, directing, writing, starring. He actually sings, which those, is always songs impressive series. too. Mm-hmm. To yeah. do that much. Um, So I guess the film basically starts out, we kind of learn who Hedwig is. Right. They're in a performance, right? Right. Right out of the gate. Um, At a restaurant of some sort. It's called the Bilgewater. (laughs) Yeah. And they play it. Every gig is at a Bilgewater in a different town. (laughs) (laughs) I love that premise. Um, They're playing to completely uninterested
1: people.
0: There's a couple of groupies out there. That's true. But
2: the Bilgewater (laughs) is like this. It kind of looks like a fucking Red
0: Lobster type place. And also, the fans are headheads. Headheads. And they yeah. have like, what would you, it's almost like the the sports arena, kind of like big yeah, hats, foam, foam wig, hats. Yeah, uh, of, of Hedwig's wig yeah. kind of a thing.
2: Um, the opening song is a super cool track, mm-hmm. Tear Me Down.
0: It immediately gives you like the vibe. Yeah. The, the tone of the
2: music and everything. It's And Tear Me Down is just like straight up punk rock, mm-hmm. glam rock style. Uh, But basically, it's telling you kind of the story of Hedwig's early life in a song, you know, talking about Hedwig is born in um, West Germany. As Hansel. As Hansel, yes. Uh, During the time of the divide. East Germany. Was he East Germany? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Got him backwards. Yeah.
0: He was on the crabby side.
2: Yeah. Um, Cormy side. (laughs) Uh, And basically how his life is very kind of sheltered. He is the son of a um, U.S. Serviceman. I forget what his rank was. Mm-hmm. I don't really think it matters. His rank was asshole. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because it's impl-
1: more, well, more than implied that his father was... Yeah, sexually yes. um, abusing him,
2: yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and his mother is a German woman.
0: Um, her name is Hedwig. His mother's name is Hedwig. Uh, very devoted to certain ideologies. Uh, yes. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: she seemed a little pro-Hitler.
2: Yeah, so
0: one of the funniest early flashbacks because you were talking about how this film is so quotable. Um, Hansel's reading the Bible and she tells him to stop, and he's like, "Oh, this Jesus guy does some like interesting stuff." <laughs> and then she's like, "Never speak his name to me again in this house." And he says, "But mom, he he died for our sins. And so did Hitler." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just like, "Wait, what?
2: The fuck?" <laughs> um, showing.
0: But uh, it's got a very snappy tone to a lot of the yeah. comedy, which I liked.
2: Hansel's uh, early life is very... He's like always interested in what's going on on the other
0: side. I think it's mm-hmm. probably
2: just about and any... the kind of
0: American music, American culture is like his escapism... Yeah, like some it. Things.
2: He it talks about how he spent most of his time listening to the GI radio, mm-hmm. um, which is a f- fucking hilarious scene of young Hansel <laughs> like just dancing full out on his bed. That just kid like, is awesome. That kid's yeah. got some moves. Just going absolute batshit. It. and it's it's extended scene, and his mom's just standing in the doorway staring <laughs> at it. It's so funny. Um, but we learn that uh, Hansel is interested in music. Mm-hmm. Um, starts to want to learn to sing but uh, his mom won't let him sing in the apartment because it's so small so she makes him sing in the oven yep um which he is
0: like decked out to look like the bedroom yeah <laughs> yeah anybody just sleeps on the oven door with his head in the <laughs> oven and it's funny cuz it, it is sad but at the same time like he's so into it yeah yeah he he's just made it work um you get some great
2: you know, stuff basically just talking about the influences and everything like that. But it's really setting
0: up Hansel's life and how he sort of becomes Hedwig later. Um, now, also at this time we also get some so, sort of the general setup of like their tour that they're on. Right. And we learn that they're trailing a very famous musician. Tommy Gnosis. Tommy Gnosis. Yeah. Um he's super famous. He's got the total like nineties, nine inch nails look going on. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Hedwig maintains that he has stolen songs and there's a pending lawsuit but their tour follows it just plays
2: at bilgewaters Mm -hmm. and one other fair that you see which is fucking hilarious um (laughs) but it just plays at bilgewaters which are next to the venues that Mm -hmm. tommy gnosis is playing um and there's, I, I think it's the opening scene, right? Where he yeah. opens the, uh, he's playing next door. Yeah. And Hedwig opens the door to the restaurant. and You just hear, hear the, the song, he, you hear yeah. the same song they just played, like
0: blaring <laughs> through uh, from Tommy Gnosis's band. Which is interesting because I looked up a little bit about how the actual like stage musical set up and it is presented as like you're at a Bilgewater and it is just one show. Right. And they have a stage door set up that is like the backstage of where they're performing and they do moments where Hedwig will open the door and you'll hear Tommy's stuff playing mm-hmm. and they That's make fun. it seem like it's just across the street or something. <laughs>
1: um, and the performances are great. I mean, it has to be said that John Cameron Mitchell nails it. He's awesome in this role. Mm-hmm. So, there's so much energy and personality.
2: And the majority of the tracks that are sung in the film are are sung live. That's cool.
0: That's very um, unusual. So he, yeah, I took down a note about that because it uh, impressed me. So, like, normally when you do a musical, the the standard kind of, like, if we're going to do one and you're going to follow all the general guidelines, you only, like, partly film, like, them doing the singing to make the shots, and then you record it later. And uh, Mitchell didn't want to lip-sync the lines, so they just played it live on the set and sang. And then they just kind of, like, mixed everything up later. That's awesome. After the fact. Well, and one of the... Um... I think it's the guitar player is
2: actually Steven Trask. Mm. The guy who right. who wrote the the music and stuff. Um, which I, I think you feel that. I really think you feel that in the movie that like even if they did can some stuff later mm-hmm. and you know overdub it so you had better quality, I think that all of the intensity of the performances right. really come through. And that's something to me about Hedwig and
0: the Angry Inch that's very different from other musicals that I'd seen their performances all feel very authentic and in the moment Mm -hmm. and it's not like it's a stage thing it's like they just did it and filmed it right right and I don't always think that the music tells the story
2: in Hedwig like it does in things like say Repo the Mm -hmm. genetic opera like I think the songs help you get more inside of
0: Hedwig's psyche and like learn where they're coming from It made me think of uh, Phantom of the Paradise, because that one, it's a musical about people doing music. So the songs don't normally tell you the story, but there might be like metaphors in the song mm -hmm. that build on people. And I think Hedwig did the same thing. Yeah. Um, So
2: yeah, for this um, first section here, then we kind of come to where we learn what happens to Hansel. Mm -hmm. Um, Hansel is... Like we said, obsessed with American culture, and is
0: um, sunbathing out one day in some... You know, I don't want to get into it, but there's a funny thing that they say about, like, um, Hansel goes to college and tries to do some weird, like, philosophical <laughs> essay about, like, American culture and music and stuff. And what is it? It's called, like, uh, you can't always get what you yeah. want. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Uh he's sunbathing. He's sunbathing um out in the middle of a a
2: basically a bombed out building or mm-hmm. whatever. Um uh, and they takes um an admirer um named Luther. Mm-hmm. Um or Sugar Daddy. Yeah, or he Sugar comes Daddy comes to call. um Luther is kinda looking on uh Hansel and sees something that he likes. And he's an army sergeant, yeah. which needs to be mentioned. And kind of lures
0: Hansel with gummy bears. Gummy <laughs> bears. And it's sad because they make the distinction that, like, the gummy bears there have, like, no sugar in them and they're bland and just nothing. And then these are, like, American gummy bears that are just jacked up with sugar, jacked up with flavor.
2: Uh, So Luther basically wants to propose marriage to Hansel and is Mm -hmm. going to get him out of Germany Mm -hmm. and to America. Um, But in order to do that, they're going to, he's going to have to marry them and they're going to do a full medical exam but they're not going to let him marry him as a man Mm -hmm. obviously because this is like the 80s um and the united states military so they're not going to let him marry as a man so they decide that he's going to become a woman um hedwig's or hansel's mother says you can take my name and her name is hedwig um but they're going to have to do a sex change operation and um things don't go according to plan uh, they don't show anything. No. You know, um, oh shit, I just completely glossed over one of my other favorite jokes though. Um, when Luther looks down and like acknowledges Hansel and he just like rolls over and gives him like <laughs> full display of his junk and refers to it as his little bishop in a turtleneck. Oh, yeah.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Which um, in the uh, Blu-ray art, there is a weird like sock puppet bishop in yeah. a turtleneck thing. <laughs> <laughs> um.
0: But, yeah, Hansel agrees. There's a thing that Hedwig says to Hansel, too, that's kind of sad, where um, she tells him, to be free, one must give up a part of oneself. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Which we'll is, put a pin in that, I think, for like later synthesizing this film.
2: Um, but, yeah, so the operation is botched, and um, Hedwig instead no longer has a penis and does not have a vagina, um, but is left with basically a one-inch mound of flesh mm-hmm. um and the that titular is titular angry inch yeah that is what becomes known as the angry inch which they detail in another very punk leaning song yeah so that's one of my favorite songs of the, of the thing <laughs> um at this point do they go ahead i forget is,
0: well, again the whole time you're bouncing between like their tour performances right and the Hedwig's telling
1: the story in between her songs and things like that because
0: some stuff that's happened up to this point as well i think is that there's a few times where hedwig wanted to approach tommy and they have like a manager that's kind of guiding this tour and she's trying to like rein it in doesn't want them to confront one another until the lawsuit goes ahead and i think well at this point though i
2: think we now get the song sugar daddy
1: mm-hmm. uh, one of my favorites there's... The whole performance is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I, I love Hedwig's look in this and everything. But there's
2: it's... two versions of this too. So the, uh, Broadway version in 2014, they, they really changed the whole thing and it became like a big rock mm. anthem. Um, but I guess it was trick to kind of try to breathe new life. I've sent you guys the video of that. Yeah, one. I'll, yeah, I like the
1: more kind of country version. It's in funnier. The yeah. Uh, yeah. I think
2: it's funnier. Like they both have their own things and like, it's almost like rockabilly in a way. It's, yeah. it's fun. Um, the lyrics to sugar daddy are so funny they're so suggestive that's the best part with the audience too and Mm. so he starts like hedwig starts interacting with the audience like in their face and no one wants any part of it wearing that fringe skirt and thrusting it into his face she starts walking on tables and making these comments to people like as she's walking but she comes up to this old man and like squats down and puts her crotch directly in his face and she's wearing this tasseled skirt and she starts flipping it on his face it's
1: a car wash ladies
2: and gentlemen it's a car wash ladies and gentlemen (laughs) a car wash which I had a note about
0: that too because apparently in the, the stage performance they had a seat that was the car wash seat And if you sat there for that part, you would be the person that Hedwig would do that to. (laughs) That
2: would explain. That would explain. There is that scene when, because in 2014, Neil Patrick Harris took over the role as Hedwig and in a performance, the Tony, the Tony. Yeah. Somebody, he car washes somebody (laughs) uh, and it's somebody famous. Like right there. Uh, It was, I've
0: got that here. It's Orlando Bloom. Oh, okay. Nice.
1: Although, his, his skirt wasn't quite as short as Hedwig's in the movie. No, the God, that <laughs> scene is
2: just so funny. And it's so intoxicating because the way she's working that room. Yeah. Like, God, I would kill to mm-hmm. have been it's eating great. there. I would immediately just, be a fan. Yeah. yeah if yeah. somebody, like if this band just started playing, be, what the fuck is going Oh, my God. That'd be amazing. They're amazing.
0: 'Cause I can't think of how many like little like nowhere bands I've seen before where they just stand there, they have no energy, no charisma. Yeah. To then see someone like this perform, like immediately you're like, "Oh my god, this is amazing." Yeah.
2: Um I that's probably one of my favorite like performances in the movie was that whole Sugar Daddy.
0: That's a great part. Uh scene. Um from there I think it goes to But it's not all sunshine for uh Hedwig no, and Luther. It is not cuz it's not like on their one year anniversary Luther leaves them right uh, yeah
2: for, yeah. Uh, for a basically younger... a younger dude yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're living in Junction City Kansas which apparently this is based off of a person in John Cameron Mitchell's life mm-hmm. that was like a babysitter that he had that was also a prostitute <laughs> that's interesting <laughs> um, yeah I wonder if he had similar encounters as the character
0: in the movie uh, yeah I think so <laughs> because there is some, some oh my yeah Oh, um, you know what? Before we dig into this a little further, we should set up some of the side characters in the band. Notably, there is uh, Yitzhak, played by Miriam Shore. Yes.
1: And they're supposed to be married, right?
0: They are. I didn't yeah. really get that. In so the was... current time, they're supposed to be married.
1: Yeah. Um, there's and that's no... one criticism I have of the film. I'll go ahead and jump in. You don't really get to know these
0: tertiary characters. I have a problem with that, too. And because yeah. also, when I tried to research to understand more, there's more in the musical that gives us better context. Correct. Yeah. That they left out of the film. And apparently, there
1: was shot scenes shot for the movie that were cut out later
2: they are de- Whoa, it.
1: there it
0: is one.
2: there it is um there are deleted scenes on the blu-ray okay. which i did not get to go through today and that might give more context but i don't think it should have to like i
0: i agree with you i think that Well if it's
1: that important you don't cut it out right like,
0: like let me throw this out for context just because it's it's not in the film and we will need it for discussion okay so in the musical hedwig describes how she agreed to marry get zach who was a Jewish drag queen from Zagreb, Croatia. That's only, a movie into itself. Only after extracting a promise from him to never do drag again. And it's suggested that Hedwig is afraid of Yitzhak becoming more feminine and get more attention. And Yitzhak presents Hedwig for this treatment.
1: See, that that doesn't really come across quite that at all. much in no. the no. movie. Piper yeah.
0: and I
2: were talking about this after we watched it, that... And when you know that, you're like, oh, it all clicks. Yeah. It all works. But, but it's you one need of those, that context. It's one of those Star Wars moments where it's like uh, they explain the Emperor's <laughs> did, did return. Did you know and, on Exegol? Yeah, they in the novel. And you're like, <laughs> how the fuck am I supposed to know that?
1: I mean, it's things are inferred, but you don't really quite understand the nature
0: of the relationship. Mm. Like there's the early scene where it's after a show and Yitzhak is kind of taking care of Hedwig's wigs. And you see Yitzhak kind of longingly stroking one of them. Yeah, and you're like, well, why though? Like, what's yeah. what's going on right it puts now? puts it on and everything. Mm-hmm. You
1: don't really quite get it.
2: It's yeah. I wish that that was kept in. I don't
0: understand why it wasn't. Mm. I know you got to cut some stuff from time, but this it seemed too important to not mm-hmm. have. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think, and and maybe if
2: you haven't watched the film yet and you're listening to our you know thing about it, maybe it'll help you like it more. I don't know, yeah. but again, it, that was an important thing that I think should have been in there.
0: I don't think you have to have it to enjoy it, but I think it really helps. Mm-hmm. It made me appreciate it more once I knew that. yeah you know. it's, it's one of
2: the few weaknesses of the movie. Um, the next scene though is another great song of the film. This
0: is my favorite song I think really? Yeah, we're gonna box. Um, I love hmm. it too. I just wasn't expecting that to be your favorite. it's It's the total glam rock over the top thing too it is yeah. yeah it's also extremely it's probably the most Broadway one too mm-hmm. yeah um, that um, I think is in there. And it, again, kind of not directly, but indirectly explains that basically to kind of deal with this situation, Hansel develops this Hedwig persona into an actual, like the character that we have seen so far doing these stage shows. Mm-hmm.
2: And it's a, it's a great song, and, and it actually has become an anthem for a lot of people in the LGBTQ community that basically Hansel is talking about that when he comes home at night he has to go back to being him but Mm -hmm. during the day or during when he's able to be on per se you know he's able to you know put on some makeup and throw on the eight track and pull the wig down from the shelf and then suddenly i'm miss farrah fawcett from tv you know like he gets to be whoever he wants to be right um and it's a the the way it's shot is so fun and yeah. i w- i would really love to see this in a broadway performance cuz i think it'd be
0: well of so it too cuz cool. it, it starts in the trailer and then it kind of folds down into this elaborate stage yeah yeah mm-hmm.
2: there's and the scene that kills me is um uh, hansel singing this song and all of a sudden the band members show up and they yeah. start walking into the trailer <laughs> and the drummer has on this like absolutely tiny drum kit that he's wearing yeah. on himself yeah um but yeah, once the song like really kicks out, mm-hmm. um, Hedwig is wearing a full outfit made of hair. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's shaking her thing, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, so much fun. But I, I really do love that song, and I, I love the message of that song, too. And I, I, I don't think it has to be just a metaphor for people in the LGBTQ community. It's no. really just for anybody who's struggling with who they are. Mm-hmm. Anyone can relate to that yeah, idea, yeah, yeah. I think but any, um,
1: any amount of self-reflection
0: and awareness sure
2: yeah but I've always loved that track I think it's such a good one it's a good one like, yeah. it's
0: the one I've listened to the most since I watched the film there's sure.
2: a it's, it's really funny they added a, a line in the 2014 um where Hedwig addresses the crowd and it's like, This is my favorite part where you now get to sing the words that I've written and I get to hear them.
0: <laughs> it's just it's, Which this is the song too, it has the sing along part, doesn't yes. it? Where the words yeah, come from the, the screen. The and then, bouncing yeah. hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wick, <laughs> the bouncing wig.
2: Um, yeah. From there
0: Love it. Oh, we've missed a song we skipped a song too that I think is maybe important. Which one uh, The origin of love. Oh god, yeah. That's, we pretty, that's kind of the, we need to back up the and talk
2: about that one the whole philosophy of the movie. I think. <laughs> yeah, I feel shitty that I missed that one. Now I get kind of stuck sometimes because the the long, non non linear nature of the movie it's so back and forth. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, as Hedwig's telling the audience basically about um, Hansel's drawings as his drawings as a child, mm-hmm. and that he's you see then he's trying to make sense of who he is. He's yep. trying to figure out why do I feel different? Why is it? Why am I this way? You know, um, and the song that they end up singing, and it actually just morphs into this big animation segment,
0: which are pretty cool looking. It's
2: they like are
1: "Origin of Love," right? Mm-hmm. Song. correct.
0: Um, and all this is inspired from his interest in Plato's Symposium. Yes, I had a feeling you would bring that up. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that, Dustin? Uh, well, it's this whole speech by. Uh, It's a speech given by Aristophanes about love and how that's the product of one's need to reunite with your other half. And it sets up that basically, uh, originally, people were like kind of these multi-person entities, and as punishment for trying to usurp the gods, they split them in half so that they wouldn't have the same power that they had had before. I I love that track. It has some of my favorite lyrics about...
2: um... That the gods grew quite scared of our strength and defiance, and Thor said, I'm going to kill them all with my hammer like how I killed the giants. Yeah. That's it's, it's good lyrics. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, that one, I think, is probably the most played. If you were to look for Hedwig, you'll see that one come up. I can More that. than any of them.
1: You know me. I'm, I'm, I'm more of a fan of the faster tunes. Yeah. <laughs> the rockers. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, but no, like, like you said, Dustin, this is very much...
0: Hedwig's journey in life. And I I pulled the quote that uh, Hedwig uh, kind of tosses in here uh, between the song. It's a little long, but I think it's, again, relevant if we're going to talk about themes later. Uh, So it is, uh, it is clear that I must find my other half, but is it a he or she? What does this person look like? Identical to me or somehow complementary? Does my other half have what I don't? Did he get the looks, the luck, the love? Were we really separated forcibly, or did he just run off with the good stuff? Or did I? Will this person embarrass me. What about sex? Is that how we put ourselves back together again? Or can two people actually become one again?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I really like that. So that just lines along right with that philosophy. Yes. And that's where we kind of start to find out
2: about um, Hansel
0: uh, meeting Tommy. Mm-hmm. And so in the wake of Luther running out, she's got to get by somehow. Yeah. We learned that um, she was working on the army base, and that's kind of fallen apart too, right? I believe. Yeah, you. At one point, you find out she was given a lot of blowjobs yeah, on the so army base. She supplements it with uh, some blowjobs and babysitting. Yeah, to get by. <laughs> but she also starts up her band. Talk about a Pinterest uh, and babysitting. And I love her initial band because God, it's just so like other hilarious. army wives. The Korean, yeah. uh, <laughs> Korean army wives. That was pretty cool. That was great. <laughs> They, and man, their their first little performance is great.
1: It's like an ice cream parlor or something like, yeah. That? Something or, like that. Yeah,
2: like that. And it's, she very much implies that she's given blowjobs to all the dudes that are there watching <laughs> her. Yeah. They're with their wives. <laughs> They're giving nervous looks. <laughs> Uh the scene that kills me is when uh he introduces the guitar player and she just starts bending one note yeah. over and over and over. <laughs> He's like, okay, see, stop. stop.
0: Which too, when they come in on like they're ending a song and then they're doing like the just like the going crazy, and the guitarist just keeps going and keeps going. <laughs> yeah,
1: she's very enthusiastic.
2: That introduces the song Wicked Little Town. Mm-hmm. Um which That's is a good one. Yeah, it's a good one. It's very Broadway too. Um, but it's basically written all about. Tommy. Mm -hmm. really That's when they meet, right? Yeah, she's babysitting um, Tommy's sibling. Mm -hmm. Um, And the opening scene we see of Tommy is he's laying in a bathtub jerking it. With the door wide open. With the door wide open. (laughs) As you do. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) At this point, Hansel's kind of like in between Hansel and Hedwig. Mm -hmm. Like... He's very much in that he's not sure who he wants to be at that Mm. point.
0: He's kind of just living it up as Hedwig at this point.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, But he basically walks in, sets the baby down, (laughs) steps over the baby, and then gives Tommy a handjob.
1: There's some great editing here, too. Because you know what's going on without seeing what's going on. Mm. Yeah.
0: Um, And then drops her business card. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) So you find out that Tommy is basically... Um his dad's an army person too um yeah. he's a good,
1: he's a good christian
2: boy yeah very he, 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 he plays guitar
1: during the uh church choirs church yeah. yeah
2: but he's very conflicted about like rebellion and basically rebelling against his father and mm-hmm. thinking he has some very kind of skewed views of, so it says
1: something about him being a d and d player right yeah I mean, did I imagine that I yeah, thought I didn't I didn't... yeah Hedwig
2: does when she's <laughs> when she's telling her headheads outside of a club. That's and right. She's getting drunk with her headheads and telling them a story of how she met Tommy. Um and basically that Tommy was just this nerd, um D loving, you know, yeah, Christian, Christian boy.
1: Goody boy.
0: Um there's another great line here too though where Those two things
1: never went together very often. Though.
0: No, It's kind of confusing. Tommy wants to talk to her about the Bible and he kind of brings it up and she's like, oh, are you do you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Uh, and she's like, well, I don't know about that, but I'm a fan of his work.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's a, that scene is very, I don't know. I, I kind of related to that scene a little bit more. Cause I think if you grew up in a church atmosphere mm-hmm. and you, you hit your rebellious phase and you start asking questions, you yep. start trying to form your own opinions of things. They don't like that. No, they really don't. <laughs> um, but like, I don't think that Tommy understood that his opinions of how he was forming things were very negative and hurtful towards other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's basically viewing Eve as someone who was created for Adam, mm-hmm. which is honestly led to a whole lot of oppression yeah. <laughs> for from, from a lot of people who still believe that. But he
0: straight up says like, if, if that's what God did, that sucks. Yeah. yeah
1: he's acknowledging that it's not.
0: Right, Which that took me right back to my things where it's like, oh, if, if there's the random person on the island and they've never been a Christian and they die, what happens? Yeah, Well, they're yeah. fucked, Dustin. Yeah. They're just yeah. fucked. Because you didn't go over there and tell them about Jesus Christ. You Not a satisfactory answer. You should have. <laughs> um. So yeah, that kind of got me a little bit because I, I related to his uh, struggle there mm. to parse all that out. Well, their relationship starts getting more
2: involved. Mm-hmm. Um, Hedwig starts to teach Tommy, you know, like... Helping with guitar. All and, the great bands. Uh show him like giving him basically a, a rock history lesson mm-hmm. of people he should be listening to. And she's already mentioned earlier about bands like um Lou Reed, mm-hmm. David Bowie, Iggy Iggy Pop. And the, Iggy Pop, you know, all the people that you see just Hedwig wearing on her sleeve, pretty much. Um but as their relationship I'm surprised Alice didn't get a mention there. Uh, he was a little <laughs> yeah. But that's okay. That's all right. Yeah. <laughs> Um as their relationship kind of starts to get more involved though like you can definitely tell that they're very interested in each other more than you know mm. it's it's well, be-
0: Hedwig's immediately
2: smitten with Tommy. Yeah, yeah. And Tommy's kind of growing towards Hedwig, but mm-hmm. you can tell the whole time that it's not like a it's a very strange yeah. Growing towards Hedwig like Tommy doesn't understand what he wants. He's mm-hmm. just young and dumb kind of a thing. Um, and
1: they start playing gigs and stuff around town. And I, one of the lines is they start outgrossing monster trucks
2: in Wichita. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they start playing together. Um, Tommy is playing all the songs that, you know, him and Hedwig are writing together. And that's when she gives him the guitar. Yep. Right. That has Gnosis on it. Yeah, yeah. she says, this is going to be your stage name. Yeah, it's, it's Greek for knowledge. And, which, and later she ends up basically giving him his image. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the look um, with like the silver cross on the forehead. Yeah, super David Bowie. Mm-hmm. Um, but at this point is when um, Tommy kind of comes on to Hedwig mm-hmm. and they start, you know, making out and everything.
0: And they think that. It's an interesting scene because it implies they've done this a bit before. Um, and he always avoids her front side. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, yeah, he knows about what's going on with Hedwig, but you can tell like on some layer it's sitting weird with him. Right. And so they, like, kind of in the heat of the
2: moment, Hedwig is basically like, you know, whatever you want to do, let's, let's, like, I want to be with you. Let's mm-hmm. do this. And Tommy reaches down in Hedwig's pants and feels the angry inch, I, I mm-hmm. guess, and jerks away. And that scene is so rough. He is so good, John Cameron Mitchell, in this scene in
1: particular. I mean, he's just transcendent really yeah in this performance and I mean, he says it's what i got to work with because you know tommy's <laughs> like what is that yeah and it, it's just everything's just you know you just see her breaking it, it, that's
2: a rough scene to watch i think it's really gut-wrenching just because that's what hedwig and hansel were afraid of forever mm-hmm. you know like that's what it will come to no one will ever accept me for what i am I don't know what I am. And this doesn't just apply to like transgender people either.
1: It, no. it applies to anyone. No, no matter what, you know however your body looks, whoever
2: you are. Right. It's a metaphor for that. And in this situation, it's just what the character has, you know, but mm-hmm. like, I think, I don't know. I, I think you'd be lying to yourself if you didn't feel a bit of that. In some part of your well, life, yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, like you lack total self awareness if you haven't. <laughs> <laughs> but, <yeah. laughs> I don't know, man. There's a lot of people who would absolutely say that. Oh, I know. It's never that's, something that would happen at the problem. <laughs> but uh, t- the part that kills me about that whole scene, though, is just Tommy running off, mm-hmm. and it's just Tommy trying to say "I love you," and Hedwig's like, "Well, I wish you'd love the front of me." Yeah, you know that. That's just. It's a rough scene.
1: So he leaves and goes to become a big famous rock star with all the songs they wrote together. Yeah.
2: And this is, I think, when you see um, Hansel fully embrace Hedwig. Yep. Hedwig is full persona all the time. Because even when Hedwig is not in the full makeup like for performance, that that um, like personality yep. stays. And so you see it in all the interactions with the band members and the way... Um, Hedwig, I can never pronounce his wife's name. Yitzhak? Yeah, the way Hedwig Hedwig treats Yitzhak. She's kind of harsh to everybody. Yeah, it's just she's put up this wall Mm -hmm. of no one gets in anymore. She's shitty to
0: Yitzhak, she's shitty to the band, shitty to the manager. Yitzhak
1: decides to audition for a pardon rent.
2: Right, it's a funny
0: scene because they're in like a laundromat. (laughs) Yeah, and there's the flyer there. And he just keeps looking at it.
2: (laughs) And there's a hilarious line in the laundromat too, because even the band members are doing Hedwig's laundry. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the bass player is holding a bra and he's looking at it Did really you put funny. that in the dryer? You, put, you do not put a bra in the dryer. It, it works. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Tiffany watched this with me and at that part she was like, well, that is right. <laughs> oh, I've, 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 I've learned that. i learned it the hard way. That
2: scene just cracks me up. It's so funny. And the fact that it tells it's I fell, even i
1: felt for that dude at that moment yeah. it it's even
2: more telling about hedwig as a character too that the bandmates are doing her laundry like she's not yeah. even going to do her own laundry um uh, but
0: you can tell they're getting tired of hedwig's shit yeah cuz you can only take so much yeah that, it,
1: that follows the typical pattern of any kind of rock star you know
2: biopic mm-hmm. in parentheses unless you're watching the moves. weird al movie <laughs> well i haven't watched it <laughs> yet so i can't say this was the perfect episode to bring that one up on yeah um, this, at this point we end up in, uh, Manhattan, mm-hmm. um, which is because Tommy is playing Madison square garden and we're now in Manhattan. This is when, um, uh, Yitzhak busts into the room and the manager has gotten them this like tiny, tiny little shoe box. Of New York's room. So expensive. Yeah. And, <laughs> She's bitching because they ordered a pizza. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Don't have Money for a pizza. This is New York. <laughs> There's like six people crammed in this room. Um,
0: Yitzhak comes in and says that uh, that he got the part. Yep, he's going to Guam. Um, but Hedwig pulls out his passport. Yeah, this is a ooh, a rough scene
1: too
2: because Hedwig
0: is cruel to yeah, Yitzhak. Yeah, it's just yeah.
2: cruel. It's just it's just cruelty. It's... And Yitzhak is just broken. Hmm. But I realize I was like, I'm stuck. I can't go anywhere. Yeah. I can never be who I want to be because you won't let me. Um. And this is the moment where,
0: like, you get it and it works. But I think if you had that extra context, yeah, it
1: needed more to support it. Mm. But I mean, when she tears up the passport, it's still pretty affecting. Yeah, you know? and even the manager's like, "Well, I've had
2: it. You know, we're out of here. Screw this." <laughs> so now we get to the Bilgewater, um, Madison Square Garden performance. Well, don't we have like the?
0: the oh yeah, no, the no, no, fallout no. with Tommy. Yeah, Heavens, yeah, right? yeah. Because she's there hanging out. Nearby well, Tommy ends up... well what it is the band's left her, the manager's left her, she has no one, and the only option is to go work the street again, mm-hmm. yeah, so and uh, uh headworks just out there like in a little like alleyway <laughs> of a street, trying to find a guy, and then a limo rolls up, yeah, it's Tommy, and it's Tommy. they end up talking, drinking together, um
2: start to. Well, feelings are still there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Tommy is really trying to like be Tommy, you know, like completely not accepting what he did to Mm -hmm. this human being, but trying to still, I don't know trying to make it happen and make it, it work it looks
1: like they're going to get back together and yeah hedwig's driving the limo and they're drinking <laughs> they're listening
2: to origin of love oh the, yeah uh, and
1: she gets pissed because he changed the lyric uh, or, he, uh, he didn't understand the lyric yeah that's right because
2: uh he refers to osiris um as cyrus he's like you know cyrus and he's like, yeah. you know and he's like well, there were two versions of the song <laughs> and just like no you just fucked it up cyrus <laughs> is the god yeah um
1: that's hilarious and And, they wreck they get in a wreck
2: yeah Mm -hmm. they end up getting taken to the hospital and then the tabloids pick up on Tommy Gnosis with a I think they refer to him as a transvestite hooker yeah Yeah. and of course he's saying oh I don't even
1: know her I didn't know it was a he and all this crap
2: Yeah, but that spoils the story and everyone learns the truth Mm -hmm. yeah completely throws Hedwig under the bus literally I mean they ran into the bus he's an asshole I don't like Tommy um so now at the uh, Madison Square Garden Bilgewater gig, that's where Hedwig is like addressing the crowd with uh, Hedwig has PowerPoints at like yeah. all of the, <laughs> like, uh, yeah yeah I, it's pretty great. But the, she's flashing PowerPoints of the incident, yeah. you know, on the screen and basically saying like, that I know that the only reason some of you are even here is
0: because of this. Mm hmm. And it's basically that after exposing all of this, Hedwig did finally get to become famous. Things were kind of righted as far as like who wrote the songs and whatnot. There's a cool segment where they show her. was She's on the Rosie O'Donnell show. Yeah, that was a real yeah. segment. Yeah, that yeah. was from them promoting the actual musical. Mm-hmm. And the album that's there was like the first album they made of the songs for the musical. That's cool. And they just like slotted that in.
2: There is I don't really have anything nice to say about Rosie O'Donnell because I just don't like her. Mm-hmm. Um, but... That that performance, the network would not let them do it. Yeah, she fought oh. for him, and she, yeah, she you was get, like, "I gotta respect that." Yeah, you do. I, I I have nothing but respect for that. She said, <laughs> "No, you have to do it." They weren't, they just weren't gonna let him perform as Hedwig, mm-hmm. like, uh, and apparently Letterman did the same thing. Yeah, um, so shitty, but
1: it's another thing about how this was made when it was made, so groundbreaking, so ahead of its time.
2: It really is, yeah. I think that this could be made now differently, mm-hmm. but people would be like, "Oh, now people would, would get be more like, of a reception." And now yeah. people would be like, "Wow, it's so groundbreaking!" Yeah, like, this was, was twenty years ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the performance pretty much completely falls apart. Mm-hmm. Um, Hedwig is really grappling with who she is and her relationship with Tommy. Um, and it becomes this really interesting scene where she ends up like ripping off her wig, ripping mm-hmm. off all her clothes.
0: Um kind of strips back down to Hansel. Yeah. It a-
1: gets it gets almost
0: ethereal and Okay, I'm gonna be honest with you guys. The final act of this film I did not care a lot about. I, I agree. It kind of lost me too. It well, it gets too
2: I will I like it, but I will I can definitely see your point and mm-hmm. I'll agree to some extents because it gets Sometimes I think it leaves too much to your interpretation of what you're trying to figure out Mm -hmm. is happening. I think it helps because if you read some of the story, like you you realize what's happening. But Mm -hmm. I don't think it was portrayed well enough. Part of that, I will say, I think is just inexperienced director.
1: Right. It could be, yeah. I mean, I think they're trying to say something profound, but not really getting, getting it across. I
2: didn't think it... I know what was happening. So like when Hedwig strips down and she's now back to Hansel and Hansel is watching a performance of origin of love by Tommy by Tommy singing
0: to Hedwig, to
2: Hedwig. And I understand that what you're basically seeing is you're looking at Hansel, seeing his other half that
0: he wants to be mm-hmm. the half that's putting back together, mm-hmm. but there's no way to make that happen. Um, I think like, it's supposed to be a lot of this finale is internal like it's within Hedwig's mind mm-hmm. that's going yeah. on but it's just the way I guess it's presented it's hard to make that jump with the film as it plays right it, it's very incongruous the rest of the movie
2: That that's a perfect I was about to say that it doesn't feel in line yeah. with the rest of the way the rest of the
0: film feels um because the, then the next thing is notably after this um Hedwig kind of has a change of heart and turns the wig over to Yitzhak yeah and lets Yitzhak finally embrace drag again Mm-hmm. and we see him all glammed up, which I think it's for true of the musical and true of the film. They always cast a woman in this role, yeah. right? Because then that makes the flip of that at the end. Um
2: how do you pronounce
0: that? Uh, Miriam Shore, right? She's she's in one of my wife's shows that she
2: watches. Like the... <laughs> one of my wife's shows? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Is, it, is it one of the um, uh,
1: drunk rich women yelling at each other shows?
2: No, she doesn't watch those. Okay, this one was called Younger, I think, okay, or something. I, it's, I don't know. I is. Don't know. Um,
0: it is a great performance, though, because I think if <laughs> I didn't know any of the context coming in, I would think it was a dude from uh-huh. the start. the portrayal of Yitzhak. The uh, actress that plays... Yitzhak in um,
2: oh, the the 2014, her name's uh, Lana Hall, mm. and she's great. like That is one thing I will say. I don't think anyone will ever replace John Cameron Mitchell in this mm-hmm. cast, but Neil Patrick Harris and Lana Hall are pretty fucking fun to watch, mm. if you've seen the stuff. I mean, it's fun, but I don't think they have the heart that John Cameron Mitchell right. does. Yeah. Right.
0: But then we get to see Yitzhak take center stage and kind of take over the song and finally, have that moment to be the star. Mm-hmm. And Hansel like wakes up naked in an alley at night. Yeah, there's <laughs> it's another weird transition. Yeah, right. well,
2: he's stripped down now.
0: And He kind of wanders out,
2: and the band is now in like all white. Mm-hmm. And it's like basically a transition from the band being the band you've seen the whole movie, and now they're this kind of like picture perfect band. And Hansel is. Tommy Gnosis basically has the same outfit, the same has the cross on the cross on his head. Yeah, And yeah, I think there's a lot to infer, but that's unfortunately, Yeah, it kind of becomes a Terry Gilliam movie. um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're kind of like, okay, what just happened? (laughs) Uh, But yeah, the final scene of the film is uh, Hansel waking up naked in an alley and just wandering out into the street. Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of like that scene though, because I think what it is, it's a striking
0: visual. It's a cool scene.
2: Uh, and I think like thematically it's Hansel finally just accepting like fuck it this is what I am right. strip all the armor
1: off all of the persona this is
2: who I am I'm just like this is what I got it's what I got to work with <laughs> that's what I got to work with <laughs> uh, but yeah that's the that is the end of the film the denouement of the movie yeah thank you Jason you're welcome can you say that in English
1: <laughs> the ending alright thanks <laughs>
0: um I guess before we get deep into thoughts about the film, I have all kinds of neat notes about things. Okay. I'm going to rattle off a lot of these. Do it. Um, So Yitzhak has a rent sweatshirt at one point, and of course it's the whole subplot of mm-hmm. wanting to leave the band to go be in rent. In real life, John Cameron Mitchell was offered a role in rent, but turned it down to do Hedwig. He's better than rent. He made the right decision. <laughs> so that, that's a funny connection. Um, it has moments. mm let's see we hit a lot of these along the way which is
2: pretty cool well and i was really interested and in, I, when i was looking up john cameron mitchell to see what all he'd done before hedwick i'm just i'm not yeah.
1: he's not related to cameron mitchell <laughs> i was hoping he was his son or something i was like give me a cameron mitchell reference come on
2: but like he hadn't done much he'd done like some smaller broadway parts uh, on and off broadway and like some smaller things but like he should have gotten an oscar for this he really yeah, should have he I got a golden
1: so. globe nomination didn't win hmm. but i mean not even an oscar nomination which
2: but could D- you... today he would get it today <laughs> yes. he would could get you that imagine oscar? 20 years ago though like right this. they never would have uh-uh. i mean even 20 years ago this had a cult following yeah. like it's not it was not what you would call successful yeah, well, the it, play it, cost, it
1: cost six million to make and made three point six million at the box office. Uh. And it's kind of cool it was released by New Line because that was back when they were still more or less an independent studio. Weinstein is probably attracted to Hedwig.
0: Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> um, so the the montage where Hedwig is teaching Tommy, one of the scenes Tommy has a Hotel Riverview T shirt. So Hotel Riverview was the original home of the stage show. Oh, and, it, cool. and it was there for several years so that's like a, just a funny callback to the whole yeah. uh, production of the musical and everything um, mm. John Cameron Mitchell had to wear so much makeup for a lot of the shoots that when they would go on their lunch break for the day, he would have to go back to his trailer and then shave off his five o'clock shadow. (laughs) I was Uh, reading that, yeah. It it would poke through the makeup. Yeah. And he would have to touch it up and then go back and then touch up the makeup. And the
1: makeup was amazing. There's some Mm -hmm. great makeup and costumes in this movie. There's
0: a really fun scene, too, where um, Hedwig is
2: performing... and Tommy is watching in the background. <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, a, she wipes her face, and she puts her face on a rag and tosses it, and it's the impression. <laughs> it's like I a perfect her impression of her I, love I love that.
0: that. It's great. Uh, let's see. There's a scene, again, I think it's um, with Tommy maybe, but they see a woman across the way, and she's singing Dolly Parton's I Will Always Love You. <laughs> so the person playing that is Maggie Moore, and after uh, Miriam Shore left the role of Yitzhak, Maggie Moore took it over. That's funny. Hmm. So that's just a funny internal connection. There's a funny line about that song uh,
2: in that when he's singing, like, do you hear what she's singing? But Something like, mm-hmm. um, does the love end? And she's does like, the does the song, song end? <laughs> <laughs> she's been singing out a loop for three days. God, that's a horrible song.
0: <laughs> um, so the Bilge Waters they perform at, you said it was like a Red Lobster thing. It was just spot on. A lot of the decorations and like pictures hanging up have to do with the sinking of the Lusitania (laughs) so the original off-Broadway production was staged in a ballroom of a hotel that acted as a shelter for the surviving crew of the Titanic in 1912 so again just weird just out there internal connections interesting Um, the date and the paper for when Hedwig and Tommy get arrested for the accident is eight thirteen zero one. That's exactly forty years after the Berlin Wall was erected. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's fun.
2: That could be uh, construed as that also the time that
0: Hedwig's Wall came down. Mm-hmm. So it's, there's again mm-hmm. metaphorical connection. Um, what else? I put this one in just because I'm a music guy and I know you are too, Michael. On their like drum set for the band, the Hedwig logo is a riff of the Ludwig yeah uh, company that uh-huh. makes drums. It's like exactly the same font and everything. Mm-hmm. If you didn't, if you weren't paying attention, it would <laughs> Man, look like a, a Ludwig. Uh-huh. Uh, two more little fun connections. So there, we talked about missing stuff. There are a few songs that aren't included. One that's really popular is Random Number Generation. And that is in a scene, but it's whenever Hedwig walks in on Yitzhak wearing the wig. Right. And it's playing on the television. You just hear it for a little bit. Uh. And then last thing I've got that I thought was interesting... Uh, the person that did the makeup for Hedwig was Mike Potter, and they've got a role in the film. They're in one little scene, and it's when Tommy picks up Hedwig. Uh, Mike Potter is playing the other person in drag that's out on the street. Okay, that's uh, funny. Pretty funny. Nice. Lots of little internal connections. All right. So, do you want to want to
2: break down what you thought of it? Yeah. Let's let's get into this. Let's do it. Well, I won't go first since it was mine. So you already. I'll go first. No, right. Jason I goes first. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um,
1: yeah, I think it's an impressive movie, especially for the time it was released. I think it was very brave. The performance is very brave and very good. And yeah, very raw and honest.
0: I don't think we brought this up, and we probably should. We're like three straight white dudes in a basement. Yeah. yeah, we don't. We're not the right people to like analyze some aspects of this film. No. Um, but we vibe to it, right? And we care about that kind of stuff. So
1: yeah. And even just talking about just basic filmmaking, it's very well done and Mm -hmm. very impressive. I mean, I think it was his directorial debut. Yeah. And that's impressive. Also starring it at the same time and singing it. Yeah. Damn. Talented. Very fucking talented. (laughs) Um, I mean, he carries the movie. I mean, it is John Cameron Mitchell's movie. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And it wouldn't work without... No, 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 no. Um... I mean, yeah, we already mentioned all the great things really. I mean, the music's great. The direction's great. The editing's great. It's constructed very well, put together. Well, then my only real complaints were the fact that some of those tertiary characters or even secondary characters, who just don't really know who they are or the dynamics of their relationships. And that kind of eh, interferes with enjoying it more. And the ending is kind of a, okay. It's strange. Yeah. It, <laughs> it doesn't really jive with the
0: rest of it for me. Yeah. Um, because the rest of it is very grounded, very, like, band documentary. Yeah, I mean, it has thing. it has its flares, and it's, you know... I think in my head, I can justify that ending. Like, I can talk myself... I mean, I like to I mean, think i it, it doesn't
1: ruin the movie.
0: You can convince yourself that it's a metaphor to Fenrir the wolf. God. (laughs)
2: But I mean, like, I like to think that we're all three intelligent people, and we can. I'd like to think that too, Michael, but it just isn't Uh, true. But, like, we can watch that ending and we can infer things and we can connect the dots and know what is trying to be said, Mm -hmm. but it's not always. It's just, like you said earlier, it just doesn't feel like the rest of the film. Sometimes
1: it's not as satisfying either. Mm -hmm. Um, But, I mean, end of the day, I I think it's a really great movie. I would give it four stars.
2: Oh, wow. Oh, okay.
1: High praise from you. Yeah. You know, wow, <laughs> and all of it has to do with when it was made. I mean, it's very yeah. impressive that this movie even got made at all.
2: Yeah, you know. Um, apparently, he was approached by some people to make a movie, a movie of it, while doing the hmm. the show. Um, which even then is strange because there wasn't there wasn't a lot of that. Mm-hmm. you right. know like there was a lot of shows being put on in the 80s and early 90s that never made it to film yeah mm-hmm. you know so like what is it about especially with this subject matter that all the <laughs> people just were not ready for yeah what it- still aren't sadly. and then yet for them to see the potential in it yeah. to want to make it a film uh, we didn't address it uh, but there is a sequence um where like it sounds like everybody's kind of okay with the subject matter that's happening, but there is a sequence when Hedwig is playing the song "Angry Inch," mm-hmm. and he's—it's a graphic song, basically about mm-hmm. his the sex op, sex change operation getting botched. Usually the most punk rock song, yeah, yeah. Great. it's a killer song, love it. Um, but there is a guy who finally just has enough and yeah. stands up and yells, "You know you're a faggot." Mm -hmm. And that's, but it's also a great scene because uh, Yitzhak like jumps (laughs) Jumps off the stage and just starts fucking beating the shit out of him. And then the entire Bilgewater gets into a fight. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like people were not okay with it.
1: Mm -hmm. Like even today, a lot of people just no. I mean, they wouldn't watch this movie. They wouldn't get
2: it. It would irritate them. It would anger them. I think people would want to say that they'd be okay with it because they can sit at home and watch rupaul's drag race and think you know like yeah it's some joke or whatever but when it's somebody's life it's not a fucking joke right right and i think they would instantly be uncomfortable and and not okay mm-hmm. with the subject matter yeah because
1: it's like punk rock i mean it's a, it's, a, it's in your face you know it's aggressive it's so honest. yeah 20 mm-hmm.
0: years ago jesus christ yeah i mean think about that
1: so that's my thought how about uh you, Dustin? okay i'll
0: go next um, I think if I rated this film just on the music and the musical performances, it would be like a hard five, the hardest five you can give. I love punk rock. Mm-hmm. I love glam rock. Mm-hmm. It's totally my jam, totally my vibe. I think every song is just masterfully done, well-composed, well-executed, sounds great. Uh, I've been jamming to the soundtrack since I watched the film nice. to get ready for this. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but again, I do think there's some flaws there as a film, if I'm talking about it, as a movie, and it's more than just those songs. Um, Jason, you've already well covered the like gaps in there. I'm right there with you on that. I think mm-hmm. it wouldn't even had to have been maybe more than like 15 minutes added in. Yeah. They could have fleshed it out enough to kind of pass a lot of that. And then and to me, this is just like a tasting more. I do think the ending's really weak. Um it goes in a neat idea, but I don't think it meshes with everything else that comes before it. Right. Uh and I when I think about musicals and what I like about them. All my most favorite ones, they really, like, go hard. They have this big explosive finale. You think of, like, uh, uh, Rocky Horror, right? You have the stage show that he puts <laughs> mm-hmm. them in, and it's, like, three songs back-to-back that just amp up and amp up. Uh, Little Shop of Horrors, you get the confrontation with Audrey, too, which is, like, one of the best songs in the thing. And then if you've got, like, the version that goes for the full thing, then you have giant Audrey's attacking the city <laughs> yeah. as the final song. Um Grease, you
1: get a flying car. Right, right. You know? um,
0: <laughs> the ones that I just deeply love and really care about a lot—they always go big and crazy. Like uh, Repo, you've got the—that's when the actual opera happens. Yeah. yeah. Um, and here it kind of just like it was like they were burning that torch, and then suddenly they just snuffed it out for like a, a more subdued ending, which is cool. But it wasn't it wasn't what I was personally hoping for. Which yeah. I respect what they did, but mm. um, I think theme wise, there's a little weirdness that struck me, and I don't know how much I want to go into this. But so like a core of this, they don't delve on it too much. Is that like Hansel is sexually abused uh-huh. mm-hmm. first by his father. And then even though he's an adult, everything with Luther, that's very men- meant to be like sort of this pedophilic vibe of yeah. like an older person taking advantage of a younger person. Um, well, we don't actually know how old he is when Luther, we know he's out of college. Oh, okay. Cause he talks about giving the paper and that it wasn't received. Well, that's right. <laughs> And he says, after that, my college career was over. Um, but yeah they wanted to have that vibe. And so, like a lot of cycles of abuse, if you get into this and look at like the numbers of how this stuff works, very often there is a chance where like if they don't ever get any help, the abused can become the abuser. And I think we see that in Hedwig later because Tommy's just 17 when they meet. And there is a bit of weird like grooming that goes on there. They even use the word grooming. I was yeah. like, ooh, ooh, no. Um, I don't yeah. think today you would say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's definitely taken on more meaning in our modern times yeah. than it had in 2001. Um, and so in a way, Hedwig kind of does these same things to Tommy to some degree. And I don't think that ever gets addressed in the film. Because it it is all from Hedwig's perspective. So that's part of it. I think sometimes it's hard to see your own flaws yourself when you're in the thick of things. That's a pretty good point. And again, where the, the, where the ending is like weak to me, I think that that's what I wanted. I wanted there to be like some self acknowledgement or some self realization there. Cause I do think like the core theme of the film and it was all couched in that quote and the whole like Plato thing. And that song original love is it's about self acceptance and understanding yourself and being comfortable with yourself which is cool and it's great. And I'm happy that happens for Hansel by the end of the film. But then I think too, there's like some bad shit that he did that never really gets addressed or tackled or like he does give the wig to Yitzhak, mm-hmm. but there's never that like, I guess self-realization of like, Oh shit. Yeah. I've been treating this person mm-hmm. like shit. Yeah. I never viewed, I mean, personally, I mm-hmm. never viewed Hedwig as
2: like a great like, good character. Yeah. You know, like, I I
0: don't say that it's like, not a good character. It's a like, flawed character. It's I a mean, very, it's very flawed character.
2: Complicated
1: real characters have flaws. I think I mean,
0: that's why I want to punctuate my point is yeah. that it, the film is only from Hedwig's perspective. Yeah. Right. So we're kind of locked in into what we can see and understand. You want to be,
2: I think it's, I do think that kind of poses an interesting question, though, of how often when you look at someone else's tragedy in their life, you start to, like, explain away or, like, mm-hmm. kind of brush away, like, oh, well, they're, really shitty yeah (laughs) like and you start to be like well they're only shitty because of this but then at what point do you own up to your own Mm.
0: you know or i think about sometimes when people die and it's like you knew like oh well they they drank all their life of course yeah but mm. yeah you want to there's like the sympathy that you want to feel for
2: them but you also have to acknowledge the reality Mm -hmm. but yeah and i don't think hedwig was
0: hansel was there yet <laughs> yeah i really don't i don't think he um, at, by the end of the film i don't think he was there yet so just weird side reading on the film that kind of stuck with me afterwards so all that said if i blend all that together i'm at a solid three on this film i oh, no. think it's great love it i love the music kind of more than how the film shook out but i it is one i would definitely go back to and enjoy again in the future
1: mm-hmm. cool interesting i thought you would like it more than me hmm strange
2: well i surprisingly am not at a five mm-hmm. on this one mm-hmm. it's fine um okay. I don't have to be. I sit at a solid four and a half. Um, I really like this movie. I like the story a lot. I love to revisit it. I mean, I listen to the music regularly, Um, you know, even when not just talking about doing Mm -hmm. this for the podcast. That's a great soundtrack. I had listened to it a lot before. I've always, I think the origin of love is one of my favorites, you know, Mm. like of the thing. And I've listened to it a shit ton. Um, But yeah, I have a lot of the same, same hangups as you. I I don't want to say that the that the ending is wrong, because I don't think it's no, wrong. No. I think it's definitely from John Cameron Mitchell's point of view and how he wanted to end the film. It's not how I wanted to see the film end. Um but it's how he did it. So you know, mm. at the end of the day, it's his movie, his art. Doesn't mean I have to agree with it. No. Um, oh, yeah. but I like what this film has done for, for culture in general. I like the following that it's picked up. I think that if more people were to watch this film, I think it might help you be a little more tolerant and understanding of some of the things that people go through. Um, we haven't really touched on it, but we talked about it before the podcast started, is that there's a lot of people who try to put their own things on this film. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people call this a transgender film, and it is very specifically not
0: um, I think we have a like quote from Mitchell talking about the character, right? right. Yeah. John Cameron Mitchell specifically. We're
1: quoting an authority on this because <laughs> yeah. we are not authorities on no, this. No, no, no.
0: specifically said
2: that while he wanted Hedwig to be a queer voice in the queer community, mm-hmm. that Hedwig was never transgender because Hedwig was mutilated. Mm-hmm. Like, Hedwig did not make that choice. Right. Hansel did not make that choice to become Hedwig. right. right. As an identity It, it issue. wasn't something that he felt like he needed, that right. he was. And really was, even
0: the Hedwig persona exists in the wake of that to try to salvage the situation. Right. So I think that,
2: I love that this movie still, 20 years later, makes me ask questions. And mm-hmm. makes me think... It's still super relevant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I love and, that it still makes me think about, like, somebody's life that's very different from mine. Mm-hmm. And it starts to make you, like, even talking with Piper about it after we watched it, you know, after reading that Mitchell quote, and I'm like, this is confusing for me. But then I'm like, well, how fucking confusing does it have to be for the person who's living it? Yeah, right. You know, like, it just gives you a slight little step into a world that's not your own that you can kind of understand what
0: somebody's going through. Yeah. Um, and I think still like regardless of your background or your situation or where you are like the core themes of the film again like I said like self-acceptance yeah you, you can vibe to that no matter who you, you are you have to see something of yourself mm-hmm. in it you know maybe maybe you're not Hedwig
2: mm-hmm. maybe you're Yitzhak right you know like I think that
0: there's so much to see about yourself in this film or even maybe you're you're Tommy and you're a confused person that means well that yeah. stumbles along and kind of has to come, to come to terms with what you've done yeah it's uh no I, it's a four and a half for me the
2: little hang-ups to keep it from being a perfect film mm-hmm. um but yeah i've always loved
0: it i do hope that maybe our episode will get some more people to watch it oh i think if, if you dig musicals at all especially like more cult ones like rocky horror and stuff like you need to see this one yeah, it's not five thousand fingers of dr t but let's put it <laughs> little... piper told me specifically she's
2: like don't compare it to rocky horror and i was like well I'm not going to compare it because they're not the same, but it's hard to not. Well, I think they
0: go hand in hand, though. If you like one, you're going to like the other. But it's hard to
2: not talk about like a rock musical without talking about Rocky Horror. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of, you have to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, so, but I've enjoyed showing it to you guys. I'm glad that you got enjoyment out of it. Tiffany really liked it, too. Oh, cool. I was wondering what she thought of it. She
0: at first was like, oh, fucking musical block. I'm not not doing any of these. And then she watched maybe just the first, uh, I guess the first song, and then she kind of just, Hunkered down for the rest because Hedwig is so <laughs> such
2: an entertainer, yeah, yeah, yeah. That it's hard to not watch her. Plus, it's
1: couched in performances. It's yeah. not just people randomly breaking into song for no real reason, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's easier for people who may not like a
2: musical to kind of dig it. Yeah, that's it, a, that's a good you know. point. Yeah, it's not
0: yeah. it's not Miz or something like that, you know. Which, <laughs> I mean, I do love Lady Miz.
2: I like but... it. It's good.
0: Uh, yeah, Hedwig Hedwig is infectious, and it's hard to uh, hard to turn away. I think once you watch it a little bit. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I had the blue. Uh, How would you guys watch it?
0: I uh, rented it on Amazon. Okay. Three bucks on Amazon, not too bad. Yeah. Okay. No, we'll probably gone. buy the blue. Cool. All right, so I think it's uh,
1: Jason,
2: your turn next, yeah. right? Yes. What are
1: you bringing oh for my us? God, I have struggled so much with this. You don't even know
0: this is the hardest decision.
1: <laughs> I already blew my wad on Five Thousand Fingers of Doctor. Listen,
0: just because we're doing this now, it doesn't mean we won't do more musicals in the future.
1: Yeah, so. I know. No, it's 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 not that. So it's no just, pressure.
0: Because
1: there's one I really want to do because I like it. I'm afraid you guys won't. And nobody else will. We don't care, I'm man. I'm not the only person. I mean, listen. after
2: picked- 13B, you can't... <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> you I'm so
1: scared. I'm so gun Don't now. be scared. You
2: picked 13B and Brimstone, so what are you going to do? Uh,
1: Brimstone is awesome. I will stand <laughs> by Brimstone. I will stand by that movie. I think Groucho's with you on that, so... Damn right, Groucho is cool. <laughs> you guys suck. Um, okay, so I had it down. narrowed down to three. Oh, my God. Two are kind of obvious, but one I really want to talk about. And it's actually something you mentioned earlier.
3: Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Hmm. Uh,
1: But then there's one I really want to do, but uh, uh, I don't know if it...
2: (laughs) He's like live. (laughs) I really am.
1: I really am. Because one's more of a... They're both musicals, but one is so... Fuck it. We're going to do Phantom of the Paradise. I want to talk about Phantom of the Paradise. There really is
0: a phantom.
1: (laughs) I think there's people out there who have not seen Phantom of the Paradise, and they need to.
2: You showed me the trailer, and I was like, what the fuck? How have I not seen this movie? You
1: need this movie I'm just going to say, fuck yes. Yeah, all right. I I know Dustin will like (laughs) this. Well, what was your other (laughs) one? Another one I thought about doing was Repo. Okay, yeah. Which I really like, but I think it's also pretty well-known. More than Phantom of the Paradise, I would say. The other one that... I'm not going to say the other one. I'm going to save it for later in case we come back to this. Keep that in your back pocket. Yep.
2: I mean, I mentioned Repo in the episode too, so mm-hmm, you did. Yeah. But I'm not
1: going with that one.
2: Well, that's fine. I'm <laughs> going
1: Phantom of the Paradise, which you can rent. I don't see it playing anywhere for free, but you can rent it anywhere. For Negative like one
2: bucks. star. <laughs> I've got
1: the blue. He's got the blue. So go over to Dustin's and watch it, everybody.
3: <laughs>
2: but it's, it's, it's come a, on
1: it's, down. It's a Brian De Palma film from 1974. And if that doesn't interest you immediately, then there's something wrong with you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty excited to watch it. Because once you, from the first time you showed me that trailer, I was like, oh shit, this yeah. movie looks fucking batshit. And I need to see great. it. It's great. It's got one of the coolest costumes ever in any movie. All right. Well, that wraps it up for our first musical episode. Yeah. Um, we got Jason's coming up next. Um, I don't want to say tweet us. Cause man, that's a fucking
0: shit show right Fuck now. You, Fuck you, mom. Fuck you. So like, only talk to us if you have the blue check mark that you've paid money for.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> uh, however you, we're we're still there. We're
0: on all the socials that matter, and we have an email. So however you choose to interact with us is fine. Like we're we will reply wherever you
2: are. Yeah. Just don't pay any more money to do it. Yeah, please, <laughs> fucking Christ, don't. <stop. laughs>
1: uh, and if you get a I'm, think, I'm thinking we need a P.O. box so people can literally write us a fucking letter. I would if, love that. If
2: you get a, a tweet from an unverified genre exposure uh, wannabe <laughs> that's asking you to wire money,
0: actually, that could actually still be us. That might be us. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just just know it. we will not have the blue check mark. We don't have it now. We won't have it ever. No. So. Yeah, I ain't paying for that shit. Fuck that. I think they rub us, ain't lubricated.
2: I'm paying for these. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, but no, as always, we absolutely love your comments. We love when you watch along with us and give us your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um please keep sending us recommendations for movies for the um the listener block yep yeah. i just got a whole batch of them nice Woo. digging in that bag soon mm-hmm. where did you did, like where did they come from
0: uh a random conversation on facebook was oh. talking about movies with a person and then i was like hey give me a movie to put on my list for our show and then they gave me like five right on cool, so cool. wait well, send them in because we want them
2: yeah if we run out if we get too low then we just have to like start picking ones we're not in the mood for right then and I don't want to do that.
0: So <laughs> I end up with a Jason yeah. pick. Hey. Oh, <laughs> uh, no more blind watches. <laughs> we end up with 13B2.
2: Fear has a new phone number. <laughs> I'm just getting rid of my phone. <laughs> no, can't. no, no, you can't do you that. Can't that, do that. No, <laughs> no. Oh, uh well yeah write us tweet us whatever you want to do however you want to talk to us we love talking to you and we love uh uh knowing that we're giving you some entertainment of some sort (laughs) as as
1: small as it may be
2: (laughs) hey world's kind of shitty right now so get your kicks where you you can exactly uh until next time though you have been listening to genre exposure bye everyone take care